You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Morning once again. Let's take out our scriptures. Let's head to this, this letter to the Romans. As we move forward, we keep moving along. Text after text, the great news of God's salvation, His gospel justified by faith. And then how do we live? How do we live sacrificially here? Romans 13, I guess I should mention, maybe you know where we're going. Romans 13, um, verse 11 is where we're going to be at. On your way there, got a picture from Micah. That that didn't show up too bad there. Where is Micah today? Somewhere back there. There he is. So Micah drew this. Takes us back to Romans uh, verse 7, 13 verse 7. Pay to all what is owed, taxes, revenue. He's got the little scenes going on there. Respect and honor. And then we looked at last week, love. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. So thanks, Micah, for your drawing of last week. Kids, as always, draw pictures, things that you hear in the sermon, illustrations, things that you want to draw out and bring out as your way of taking notes, growing up to take adult-type notes and think about and think through the passage before us. So, And thanks, Micah. I'm going to start, actually, in verse 8. It's short enough, and we're going to read through verse 14. Our concentration really today is going to be on uh, verse 11 through 14 here. So let's listen to God's word. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let's pray once again. Father, we do come to you this morning as we prepare to think on, as we've just read from your word, and would pray again that your spirit would use your word in our hearts today. Thinking, Lord, of your providence, even this morning in Sunday school, you have brought each one of us here today providentially, and you've brought us to this particular text, verses 11 through 14, providentially. So may we be ready to hear. And Lord, we're just not hearing from some book today. These are your words, the living God, the ruler of the universe and infinitely beyond of everything God of love and justice, wrath and mercy. These are your words. 
May we come under them, submit ourselves to them, hear them, and go do them. We pray for your help, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Not sure this morning if you are feeling, I got a fly up here, feeling a bit drowsy, maybe feeling like you could go back to bed. If I just started yawning, this is like a group experiment, how many would start yawning up here. Uh, Maybe you've been in class. I remember seminary classes, kind of just that, remember the Cars movie, the the Nodders, you know, kind of just that, or you're at work or somewhere, hopefully you're not driving somewhere, but there's just that, that sleepiness that overcomes. And today's text is a loud wake-up alarm. Why? Because the night's far gone. Paul's going to say the day's at at hand, and we need to live in light of the coming day. Paul here is not talking about, in verses 11 through 14, he's not talking about trying to actually physically get up earlier, although good idea, or buy a better alarm clock, though maybe you need to do that, He's not talking about physically waking up, even though our physical sleep is going to affect what we're talking about even in these areas. But the call here is to wake up spiritually. I pray God's Word would just penetrate our spiritual hearts today with this call like an alarm. An alarm in your life, an alarm in my life, that we would not hear the alarm of 11 through 14, hear this, and go, hit that. What, that glorious snooze button, mine is at nine minutes, and hit that button and just go back to sleep and go, yeah, great, I don't know, sometime we'll get to that. Hear the alarm, the call here, wake up. Last week, as Micah showed, there was a summary, this summary of commands. Last week we looked at the summary as love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'd like... You know, you got to answer personally, how's that going from last, how's the application flowing out of truly loving your neighbor, loving others, not wronging them? But remember from last week, our love for neighbor flows out of kind of a barometer, a measurement of our, we said vertically, our love for God. This love for God flows out in love for others. And so I think even behind our text, 11 through 14 here, there is behind it this greatest commandment summed up by Jesus You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And through the gospel and God's work in his spirit, he's given us the ability to do this. That's the call, though. Love him. And these verses, I think, in many ways encapsulate this idea of loving God. For he who loves God is going to do what God commands. As we head into our text, particularly verse 11 and then the first part of verse 12, these seem to lay out kind of, if we had one main theme, the main idea here, and hence why we're talking about sleep and waking up and that theme this morning, I think it comes from this first verse and a half. Let me read it to us again, where he says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. As Paul begins verse 11, commentators point out, they think Paul here is kind of gathering up, kind of bringing together really all of what he's commanded, starting back in chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, brothers, mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice and 
on and on he's go, how to live in the body, how to have genuine love, how to bless those who persecute you, be subject to the governing authorities, love your neighbor, and so forth. Kind of this summary coming together now. The NASB says, now do this, or something similar to that, do this. Others have that. So kind of a summary statement here. But notice throughout the verse, time is a major subject. Do you see how much time is mentioned here? Let me just point them out. So, for instance, Paul says, you know the time, or the hour has come, or salvation is nearer now, thinking time-wise, I think, in verse 12, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So time is a major theme, and I want to ask and I want to seek to answer a couple of questions just here, even just in these, this short text here. First, what does Paul mean by the time here? What time is he talking about? What hour, waking, what, what salvation near, night, far gone, what day is at hand? And I want to answer that question by one of the greatest commentaries I have, and you have, and it's sitting in your lap. It's the Word of God. So I'm going to go to a couple places. One I'll have you turn with. This one, let me just mention it, and then we'll go to another place. In Mark 13, the disciples question Jesus about when will these things be? Things like the destruction of the temple. And Jesus there in Mark 13, he's got much to say, but he ends saying this. And listen now if you hear connections as we're thinking about, Paul, what, what time, what hour, what day do you have in mind? Jesus says, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. Whoa, that sounds familiar. Stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. It gives us a little glimpse. What's going on, Paul, with these words? Now turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Just a short off to your right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11. And we're going to look a couple places in Thessalonians, so it'll be worth your travel there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. We find this theme and then we'll find it in another place. Here's chapter 3, verse 11. Paul's praying here for those. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Kind of sounds like Romans, doesn't it? Same author. Bound as we do for you, verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Or later, turn the page or wherever you need to go to chapter 5 and verse 1. And let me read a little more portion here. So there's something about this coming of the Lord Jesus. Now listen again, chapter 5 of First Thessalonians, 
Paul says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there's peace, security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And he ends saying, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. It seems clear what Paul has in mind back in Romans 13, verse 11, the time, hour, wake up, the day at hand. It's this coming of the Lord. It's the day of the Lord. And the salvation Paul has in mind, it's been called uh, final salvation. We're fully saved, but there's kind of this final. It's when we finally meet the Lord. We're with Him. We're in His presence forever. It's this salvation finally and fully realized. Wake up for this, that time. This is all coming. It's coming. Be ready. But then a question, if you remember back in Romans 13, there's more there. There's put off, there's cast off put on. There's all these things. Do this. Don't sin in this way and so forth. And so how does this thought, how does the end in Jesus coming, how does that connect to the rest of the text? How does the coming of Christ, this day of the Lord, how does it connect to presently casting off darkness or walking properly today and not in sin? There's one more place. Two more, I think, <laughs> but it's in the same book, Second Peter. So We're marching to the right in your Bible. Keep marching, and you're going to come after James, 1 Peter. I want you to go to 2 Peter chapter 3. And we want to hang here before we get back to Romans 13. This might feel like a little long jaunt, but I think it's helpful, 2 Peter 3, as we get a contact, and we get just commentary. Paul, what do you mean? And I, I love when Scripture is its own Commentary here. So you're in Second Peter now. Hopefully you found it, chapter 3. It's gonna, I'm going to read from verse 10. Peter, Peter's going to nail down here the kind of people we ought to be while we wait for this coming of the Lord, this day of the Lord. And I, I would submit the kind of people he's after. It's not the people who find just every news story, how Jesus is going to come, and all that timing and what's going on, and nations and this sort of thing, even though... Think about it rightly, but it's more this. The kind of people that are waiting are the kind of people that are awake and growing in holiness. Listen to these words of Peter. See if that's not true in what we read here. Of What kind of people are we to be knowing that he's coming? So verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. 
Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Keep reading. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these, what do you do if you're waiting for those? Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, hmm, interesting, that's where we're at, according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. We'd love that this verse is here for our study of Romans, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Verse 17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but what? And the last verse, what? What? of the time what in light of this grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity amen it's the glory of christ you hear this call of peter and then of paul as we're going to see in the rest of our text in our waiting our waiting and this and the, the hour of christ's return our waiting for that It's so much more about our sanctification than it is about trying just to predict when Jesus is going to get here, how everything presently, how will these nations, how will things line up for that? You can think about those things and search the scriptures, and and I'll be first to admit that I'm behind maybe some of you in terms of revelation and all those sorts of things, but what kind of people are we to be? I think Peter and then Paul is going to tell us, be people that are growing in godliness and holiness and in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So I think knowing the times and understanding the times, it's, it's, it's being spiritually awake. Anticipate. We're going to see Jesus face to face. And may that motivate our living for Him in the present. So your Savior is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready for your Savior to burst through the doors and so live and be with Him Forever, Or would you rather him kind of delay his coming? Just, just give me a little time because I'm not quite ready. My life's not quite in order. My passions are in the now. I don't have time for him. I don't want to grow in him yet. Give me some time. We had a babysitter growing up. His name was Dave Lauer. He was our favorite, probably one of our favorites. He only babysat us one night, though. <laughs> so, poor Dave. Uh, but he was great because after supper, I think we were having hot dogs. Do you remember the old ketchup bottles? Not the new ones, but the old. They had the white cap, and it would kind of go up. And that cap just did not stay on well. And somebody was putting ketchup, and the cap just fell off, and the, the ketchup just spilled out. And it's like all three of us, my brother, Dave, and, and I, like, all of a sudden, we got this idea, let's start a food fight. And it just went from the ketchup to the mustard to hot dogs being thrown down the hallway and everywhere. And it was just a great, I still remember it, best night, best babysitter. And he never came back. But, 
And the reason is because we thought we cleaned it all up pretty well, but behind the TV, I think there was a hot dog behind the TV, and Dad found the hot dog, and, and we were busted. We were not, in that moment of fight, we were not living like my parents were coming home imminently or soon. We were having a great time, enjoying life. It was fun as we could have. If, had we thought, you know, they're just 10, uh, you know, a mile down the road at somebody's house, they could be home any minute, I'm not so sure we would have got into the food fight. We've been, we're ready. We want to be ready for their return. I think that idea here, the call here, is to live so expectantly of Christ's return, to live in present holiness, that you're not surprised when He comes and you're trying to push hot dogs behind TVs, that you're ready for His return in holiness because He's coming. And we want to see Him and enjoy Him. And so there's one more question, though, before we head back to Romans, and that is when. If if Christ's coming is so imminent, why so long? How can Paul here, as we're going to get back to Romans, stay in Second Peter, how can he tell the Romans salvation is so near? Doesn't it sound like the time's come? It's near, the, the night's uh, far gone, the, day is, the daytime is here, basically. But that was some 2,000 years ago that Paul wrote this. Why do we still wait on Christ's coming? How is salvation nearer now when it seems so far away? And if you're still in Second Peter 3... Just back up, and I want to read verse 3. This is for time. I'll start in verse 3 through verse 9 up to where we just lastly read. Listen to Peter's words here. What about? Why so long? Knowing this, first of all, Peter says in verse 3, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own, and this is interesting, sinful desires. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, All things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's been pointed out, I didn't come up with it, but technically the time Since Paul wrote Romans, the time technically has been, in the Lord's mind only, you add it up, two days. It's not that long ago. And yet God here, we also see he's slow to fulfill his promise. He's not slow, but he's not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Henry Alford is quoted as saying this. He says, on the certainty of the event, that's referring to Christ's coming, our faith is grounded. It is certain. By the uncertainty of the time, we don't know when, our hope is stimulated and our watchfulness aroused. You do not know the time. We don't know the time. Be ready. Be awake. So if you head back to Romans 13 then, finally we're making our way back there. 
With all this said, kind of this main, again, overarching theme of holiness for the time of Christ's return is near. So wake up. Live rightly. And so Paul's going to present these three, I think they're kind of practical. They're like almost application statements based on this in light of the coming of Christ. I'll be, I'll be somewhat brief. Just don't let the brevity, the briefness take away from the importance of these things. The first we find in the second part of verse 12 and back in Romans 13. First part says, the, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, you know, in response, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So night and day, they've already been mentioned in this first part. We read verse 12. Doug Moo sees night referring to the present evil age. So hence a connection to these, these works of darkness, works of the night, works of evil. And so Moo says this. He says, to rise from sleep then, to wake up, means to reject absorption in the present night age, to avoid conformity with the present evil age. In other words, as Paul says, cast off, put off the works of darkness, and so put on the armor of light. That armor here could be weapons or instruments. To me, it sounds armor sounds defensive, like, like body armor. Whatever it is, it's something we have, we should acknowledge, by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians. I'm going to just quote a lot of places here just to kind of filter in and give, give vision to this. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, creation, I've quoted this verse often, it's so good, has shown in our hearts to give the light of, guess who? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, and John says, John 8, says, I'm the light of the world. It's been said, we're in the maybe the football sports season, the best Offense is a good defense, although I looked up this phrase, and then in, in war it says a good defense is better than, a, I don't know, kind of confused now, but in sports I think the best offense is this good defense. And so before we go walking around, I'm going to do this and do that, I think it would be good, remember your armor, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's going to remind us of that even in verse 14. He would say in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. Put that arm, be strong in who? Not in these hands, this, these weak feet. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And so, let us cast off the works of darkness. And that darkness, I think, is explained as we come into verse 13. So verse 13 says, Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. I can't remember the commentator who it was, but he shared kind of this idea of this, this daytime coming, this dawning of light. You know how the, the sun's not up already, but there's just this light is filtering through. That, I think that would describe our current age. The, the day is beginning to shine. It's dawn. It's dawned in Christ. It's already dawned, and yet the day is not yet what it's going to be when he comes in his fullness. So what are we to do? We're to walk properly or live properly or behave decently. Walk properly in light of the coming king. 
But then here Paul gets specific as to some of these sins of darkness, the sins of the night. One writer sees here, I'll just go through this, he sees these pairs. If you notice, there's um, six listed and they're kind of in pairs, so he connects them together. So that is like this. You've got the, the not in orgies and drunkenness. If you combine them, it becomes not in drunken orgies. Maybe your t- translation does that. Drunken orgies, wild parties. The next one, sexual immorality and sensuality becomes together unrestrained promiscuity. Or quarreling and jealousy becomes jealous strife. I want to, by way of application, ask you and ask myself, however we read these, would any of these describe you today? Are there parties, are there places you go you don't want God to know about or others? Is there a sexual looseness to your life? The call here, men, women, be careful. Wake up to sexual darkness. Maybe it's, maybe it's not even just physical immorality, but are you entertaining thoughts or desires in your mind for far too long? Or perhaps married women, you're making emotional connections with other men other than your husband or men with other women other than your wife. Paul writes, he writes a warning to the church in Corinth in chapter 6. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, and there's quite a list here, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Hear the warning, the warning of the darkness. Paul also says, such were some of you. You, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. For those in Christ, by God's Spirit, you're a new creation. Do not live like the muck you were just brought out from. Don't live in that. God says, live like who you are. Live as children of the light. Cast off every kind of sin. In Jesus' language, cut off the sin. In the language of a a preacher I was listening to this week, kill the sin. Kill the sin. Not killing others, but kill the sin in your life. Put it to death and walk properly like children of the light, like children of the Savior. So we come to verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Wear Christ. Identify with Christ. Put Him on. Leon Morris says this phrase. This phrase means more than put on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, signifying rather let Christ Jesus Himself Be the armor that you wear. In other words, imitate Christ, grow in Christ's likeness, and also identify with Christ, which in Romans 6 type language says we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Christ, 
in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. And so the call is to not go in fighting sin and killing sin without remembering. Put on, remember who you are in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. Again, it's that sports season people wear, whether it's football teams or you've got the jersey of the football team or the, the athletic brand or the tractor company or fill in the blank. You've got, you can know this one, oh yeah, they they got that green and gold on or that, some of those Packer fans or whatever or the Vikings or whatever it is, the John Deere guy, they're all green. I just encourage you, be a Christ guy. Wear that uniform or Christ gal. Put on Christ. Let Him be your best outfit. Maybe you have that favorite outfit. I've got that favorite pair of jeans. No, make Christ that best outfit. The one who died for you is interceding for you. His blood was shed. It was shed once for all. And the uniform of Christ, it's guaranteed by His Spirit. So put on Christ. Remember the Gospel. Remember what He's brought you from. I think Satan would have us forget who we are in Christ in the midst of darkness. Remember that. But then there's one more call of Paul, how he ends here. And he says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Don't make a provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Peter says these passions, there's these passions that wage war against your soul. So make no provision for for the flesh. Thinking about that word provision, what is that? How do you do that? How do you not make provision for the flesh? What came to my mind is in terms of something you would do, maybe you don't like to hike or canoe, but if, if you were going to prep and plan for a long hiking trip, maybe let's say a seven-day trip out in the canoe, or you're going to go hiking through the mountains or up the Superior Trail somewhere, you're going to head out, you're going you're gonna to pack provisions. You're going to pack food and supplies that you're going to need along the way. And if you don't bring those things, unless you're Bear Gryllis, if you don't bring those things, you're lost. You're in a lot of trouble. If you just go, seven days, I think I can make it. I'm not thirsty now. I think I'll go. But if you don't bring the provisions, you starve. Let me flip that around and say, and encourage you, starve your flesh. Make no provision for your flesh. In other words, don't pack the backpack for your flesh. Don't give food to your desires. Don't put things in your backpack on this journey of living for the Lord that's just going to provide for the desires of the flesh. Let's try to think about that. And the call here, this may... Are you ready? It might limit something in your life. Imagine that. Having to limit something, having to sacrifice something for the glory of the Lord. It might limit something. So just a couple, just kind of off the head, but could be so many others, I think. What does starving your flesh not providing look like? Starving your flesh might mean this movie you wanted to see. (laughs) That is going to be good. Oh, it's so good, but it's got that. 
Maybe you need to starve. Maybe you need to skip that one. You sort that out. Or the people. Maybe the people you wanted to hang out with, that party you want to go to, maybe a second thought, it's just going to provide, and I know myself, and I know you need to cancel. Or I think on our day, especially computer or just the screen you carry along with you that leads you or it has led you. So many provisions for the flesh. There's just so many provisions going on there that need to be governed or maybe put away or killed. Or maybe it's that relationship, somebody of the opposite sex, you just you know it's not right. It just needs to end. Or whatever the case, fill in the blank. You need to starve the flesh and not make provision for it. Cut it off. Kill the sin. Walk properly. Cast off works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we close here, before we head out today to ride some bikes, hopefully a lot of us are going to ride or head out there, it just seems good as we come to the close to take a few minutes. We've touched on these are personal areas. I'm talking about your soul and mine. It's good to take a few minutes to reflect on this. So I want us to, we don't do this often, but just to, for you in your chair, if you want to close your eyes, take just a minute of just reflection, kind of what we do before we go to communion often. I'm just going to ask questions, give a verse, and let you think a little bit. Is God impressing on your heart any works of darkness today to cast off for you? Again, we're not asking about what maybe your kids need or what your parents need or what somebody down the street. What about you? Is there any sin that has found a place in your heart? Maybe God, by God's Spirit, it's just, He's saying, this thing has come to mind. Any provision, any food, you're feeding your flesh and it's your desires. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's take a minute. What sins are in you? Anything that the Lord would bring to mind that you need to confess or cast off or walk away from? John also says, my little children, (laughs) not what we are, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world.
put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I am going to not, after we're done and singing and stuff, I'll be up here. If you want to talk more, come up. Let's visit a little bit. Um, We don't do that often, but I want to make myself available or talk to the elders or someone. Let's close our time in prayer, though. Father, as we take just a short glimpse into our lives, and if the videotape of last week was played, we would see how much more sin there is and what problems there are that if you were to come, Lord, how would we react? Oh, not so fast. Lord, we come to you, Lord, in the great, the great need, this great problem of sin in our lives, the, the waging war against our soul, the darkness that has crept in maybe in different places. For many of us, it's just different for each of us. Lord, where it has crept in, continue to bring to light. And Lord, would you be merciful if we don't see it? Would you help us to hear others speaking it into our lives and welcome that, as hard as that, as humbling as that is? And then, Lord, you give us this hope. 1 John chapter 2 and this advocate. For we have one. We have Jesus Christ. We have righteousness in Christ. We have everything we need in Christ. So, Lord, may we put on Christ in the midst of our walking properly, our growing in grace, our growing in knowledge, our seeking holiness and to be blameless. Help us to wear Christ's uniform and be so identified with Christ that the other things of this world are just things that we do and they're, they're fun. But Christ is our hope and our glory until we see you face to face. We pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.